context, little context. Some of you got an email this week. Some of you may have not. The email, the email was a context email. I'm going to read context. Did you, did you do the offering? Do it. We're already a little distracted. We might as well keep with the theme. So the context is you were sent an email and in it, as an attachment to that email was a proposed document. The document is the proposed charter of an NRCC church council. And then the context piece talked a little bit about what we've called A church and B church. Doug has talked about this in the past. A church being the administrative side of the church, the institutional part, the part that has to get work done in order to, to be an institution in the first place. And then we have the B part, which is the spirituality and community side. And what we're recognizing is that we are going to need to shift the ratio of A to B. We've been very B heavy, which is the spiritual side. And we're recognizing that we need to institute more A and therefore by doing that, we recognize that the church may feel different. It may, I, I use the uh, metaphor of a recipe. So we're going to change the recipe slightly, and therefore things will taste differently. And we've all come, uh, become accustomed to the taste of NRCC, and we like it because we keep coming back. And now we're going to throw some more spices in, and some people are going to go, Bleh, what is this? And I'm here to say, okay. <laughs> I think it's going to be palatable, it is going to taste different, and I think there are going to be benefits, and we're going to lay all that out for you today. If you are actually working within the church, you are working in that A side, this is probably going to affect you more than if you are simply experiencing the B side of the church. Um, so there are going to be different levels of effect and manifestation depending on what you're doing with the church or not doing with the church. So, I'm speaking on behalf of what we're currently calling the triage team, and the triage team uh, exists, um, I realized during first service I didn't even say who we were, <laughs> so how's that for context building? So, I'm Michelle Carter, and I'm on that triage team, and today Bobby McGrath is here, she's on the triage team, and Bob Love, and Robin Camus, and us. oh, there she is, LaDonna is in the back, she's our chairperson, our chairwoman. And we have Michael Steerhoff and Susan Ramsey are not here today. They're also on that team. So where am I going to go with that? Oh, I've got to turn this on. And this is going to work. Yay. Okay. So I'm going to start. <laughs> start like Doug does with context on top of context, embedded in context with a little more context. So this is a context piece. And in the beginning, Doug and Denise were in California, and they came across the territory and decided they wanted to plant a church. And that's Haven right there. You see her? <laughs> and by design, Doug said, I've done that A-side, and I don't like the A-side. The A-side burned me out and burned others out and turned people off. And I'm going to build a church that is heavy B, and very little A, and that was by intention, and that was by design, and it was a beautiful thing. And the community grew, and we were informal, and we were cowboys, and we sat around the fire, and we told stories, and Doug was our lead cowboy, and he loved to tell stories, and we, he loved to eat, and we drank coffee together, and we had a wonderful time. And that worked for about 100 to 150 people. 
So what we had, when I talk about systems, I'm not talking about IT systems or computer systems, but just in the way that we get things done, our, our basic processes, we had systems that I would call situational response, right? A situation comes up and we respond. Ah, this is going on, we'll do this. And those are okay, but those will only support a certain amount of people. And the magic number appears to be, as we've noticed over the last 10 years, about 100 to 150 people. And there are good things about that. There's not a lot of overhead. There's not a lot of time. There's not a lot of people you have to have involved to do that, and it works well. And then there's a downside to that as well. You can't be wholly efficient with things because you're not integrating or coordinating amongst, right? So we have the cowboys out there on their horses, and they initiate things, and they ride by and say, hey, Doug, I'm going to do X, Y, Z. And Doug said, great, have a good time. And off you go as your cowboy, and you do your thing. And it's wonderful and it's beautiful, but occasionally we recognize, oh my goodness, I did my thing, and I didn't realize there was this cowboy over here doing her thing, and we have a head-on collision, and our horses collapse, and we have a problem. So sometimes we did, did things, and then we had to systematically undo things. And then sometimes we would buy certain things, and then, realize, and then someone else would buy the same things because they didn't know that this person had bought those things. And then we had a storage issue, so we had to sell off the things because storage was more important than the things. And then we realized a few months later we needed those things back, so we had to buy them back. And so some of that goes on when you have situational response systems. And you take the good with the bad, and this worked. And then the problem was rats. Red light. We want blue lights in the shape of a cross. So, <laughs> so everybody pray. Blue lights in the shape of a cross. It's blinking. This is a good sign. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, I'll go ahead and give you a preview. What the next slide says is, about 18 months ago, we left stasis, right? So we were in a steady state. We had our systems as they were, and there were some good things about them, and there were some bad things about them, but we were who we were, and it was a good thing, and we were all happy. The problem was, about 18 months ago, we weren't in stasis anymore. We were going a nosedive financially. We couldn't support our systems anymore. Things weren't weren't working, and we recognize we've got to do something different because we're going in the hole. We have a loan being called in May, and if we keep going in this direction, we're going to have to close the doors. And so, we're not a corporation. We couldn't just systematically say, well, let's cut something out. We, we cut our, our costs as much as we could. We had to let Aliyah go. We no longer have a paid uh, youth and and children's minister on, on staff. We did everything we could do, and then we couldn't just systematically lay off some of our membership. Um, so we said, what we think maybe we need to do is make an effort toward actually growing. And that's the benefit to that is twofold. Number one, more people get the benefit of being here, and hopefully more people to spread um, the money around and the resources through, we could support ourselves. So we realized we had to grow, the problem is we recognize our systems as they are now barely support what we're doing. So we need to upgrade our systems. And anytime you mess with systems, the flavor of the organization that you're working in changes slightly. Does that make sense? 
So in July, a group of people came together and said, oh my goodness, if we don't do something, we're going to shut the doors. We tapped ourselves, which is, we recognize is a little bit slimy that we put ourselves um, in, a, in a power position in the church. However, in the cowboy culture, that's what you do. So we came together as a bunch of cowboys and said, let's do something. And these were some people who had been on the previous church council, and it was just a hodgepodge of people put ourselves together, and we said, what do we got to do? We got to reverse the negative income trend, and we've been working on that. Um, Bob Love's been working to get renters in, to rent the building, to use that to bring in income, and it's been a wonderful thing. But then we also recognize when you're a landlord, you have to have systems to care for the people. And we have, you know, we don't have a maintenance staff. We have a couple handymen who come on Thursday night for 90 minutes. Well, when you're a landlord and the tenant needs something, now you have to get it fixed. So that creates issues. And then we can't just show up on Saturday and have our own event because we have renters here now. And so there starts to become this wonderful thing. Hey, we can earn income. And oh, by the way, there's more need for integration. There's more need for systems to make all that work. We also wanted to free Doug to focus on B Church. That's where his heart is. That's where his love is. That's where he's going to put his energy. He's shown us and he's told us, I'm not putting my energy toward A Church. <laughs> my heart's not there. I can't force myself to do it. I don't like doing that. And so we said, how about if a council takes over B Church? What we want to do is set up some higher level systems and we're going to have to start thinking about coordination and integration. And we're hoping that that and then ends up supporting the people who are actually working in the church a little bit better. And we're going to do that through just flat out understanding of what everybody does and communicating that. And we want to make the best use of our resources and we want to hopefully support more members. Okay. And this is the great collaboration paradox. So I'm just going to read this to you. When you're in a working organization, which is a church, the way to gain social cohesion and fully effective collaboration is to clarify and strengthen individual accountability, authority, and reward, while at the same time clarifying accountabilities and authorities between parties. Now, that's a lot of mumbo-jumbo. But let me step back and build a metaphor. On your way here today, how many of you drove? Okay, <laughs> and as you drove here, were you terrified all the way here and shaking and driving nine miles an hour and watching everywhere because you were so scared you were going to get in a wreck? Any of you? Why not? Everybody agreed to the rules of the road. What else is going on when you drive? Can anybody drive? No. Can you drive anything? Would you drive a car that your neighbor Bubba built in his back garage? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> right. Do you know what to do when you come up to a red light? Do the other people know what to do when they come up to a red light? Do you know what to do with the double yellow? Do you know what to do when you can make the left-hand turn and who, when do you? Okay, so it's very clear. My accountabilities and my authorities are very clear when I'm driving on the road, and my accountabilities and authorities in relationship to the other drivers on the road are clearly specified. They are not organic. They are not cowboy. They are not left to the best intentions of everyone. 
And that's the paradox, is that, that sometimes within organizations, we think we're all adults here, we're all, we all have the best intentions, we're all trying to get work done. As long as we're friends and we drink coffee together, everything should just work out. And there's the paradox. So the clearer that we can be about what this person who's working in the church is accountable to do, and therefore what are their authorities, and what is this person's accountability, what is their authorities, and then where do they overlap, where are the intersections, the easier it is to collaborate and to communicate and to be effective. We don't have to stop and renegotiate, right? So even if we had the best of intentions, if every time we came to an intersection, we had to renegotiate who was going to go, oh, you go. No, no, you go. Oh, after you, after you. No, you go, no, you go. Oh, I went last time. Okay, it takes a lot of time and energy. Isn't it nicer just to come up to the intersection, see I've got the green light, I know you've got the red light, and we just go. So what the council, the triage team that's becoming the council is working toward doing is clarifying accountabilities and authorities. And we had to start by asking ourselves, if we are to become the council, what is our accountability? And what we kind of backed into after wrangling and just fumbling and bumbling and banging our heads and falling down and making mistakes was, it's really about resource stewardship. This is the thing that Doug is wholly not interested in that needs to be cared for if, if we're going to, to keep going. And so what we recognized was that we work under an umbrella, and the umbrella is Doug's umbrella of spirituality, community, and influence. He set that, and we have to work under that. But under that, we're saying we believe that the council is accountable for stewarding the corporate resources in a way that allows us to do what we want to do over time and not dig ourselves into a hole. So then we said, if it's all about stewarding resources, well, then what in the world are our resources? Can we name them? Do we even know what they are? And we decided they were obviously money and budgets, but it's also the equipment, the facility, and the grounds. It's also member mind space. So I, my kids go to a charter school, and so they, there's a lot of parental involvement and, and parental volunteer time, and the stuff comes home from school, and it is incredible. I get, you know, from my daughter's class and then from my son's class, and then, oh, by the way, the fourth grade is having a canned food drive. Why don't you go ahead? And, oh, by the way, the athletics group is having a fundraiser, and, by the way, this is picture day, and, oh, we're creating a yearbook over here. Can you send some pictures for that? And we need box, top, box tops sent in on this day, and we need people to run the carpool, and we need this, and we need it. And it's just coming and coming and coming. And even if I choose not to do some things, I still had to give it my mind space. I had to read it. I had to think about it. I had to make a decision to do it or not do it. And it's a lot. And it wears on you. And so as a church, we have to think about our member mind space as a resource. And we have to be thinking about What's the word? <laughs> I hate to use the word censoring, but that's what came to my mind. The ways in which people have access to make announcements about what? People have access into the bulletin. People have access to your mind space. If Susie's brother's dog is having surgery and Susie's 
owner, Susie's dog's owner, doesn't have the money, should we make an announcement here to raise money for Susie's dog's brother's sister? To, you know, there's got to be a place where we draw a line. And so the council's trying to think through all of these issues because mind space is a resource. And we have our volunteer mind and muscle. Again, before when we had our situation response uh, methodology, the volunteers would get frustrated, right? People would put their time and energy into building or doing something, and then we'd have to go over here and tear it down, right? And that broke people's hearts, and that made people angry, and there was a lot of that. And, and so relationships were strained, and, and hearts were broken, and people were frustrated. And then, of course, the staff time, right? We have Linda has volunteered her time to be our secretary. So when someone comes and says, hey, I've got this project I want to do, and I'll run it, well... It has tentacles, right? So I'll run it, but if it has something to do with some other intersection of some other thing, someone else may have to get involved. Linda may have to get involved as a secretary, or Bob, who tends to look after building usage, may have to get involved about do you have a key and can you get in? And there are all these intersections that haven't been tended that now we are trying to tend, but it takes time and it takes energy and it takes commitment. So a couple things on accountability and authority. So we've said, we propose, and again, this is up for a vote. So January 30th, what we've done is we've said, we believe this is what the council should be accountable for, right, and its resource stewardship. So then the council had to ask itself, for the council to be willing to take on that accountability, what authorities does the council have to have to be able to do that, okay? So... Accountability, and that's because accountability legitimizes authority. We can't just come in and take, take power without saying the reason why we need this power is because we've been asked to do this, and this thing falls under my umbrella. Okay. For people to engage in any organization, and most particularly in a volunteer organization, there's got to be trust and there's got to be fairness, right? Because there's nothing will turn people off quicker than... Um, Again, not trusting the system. So, for example, let's go back to our traffic metaphor. If, if all of a sudden every 2,000th person in Raleigh decided they were no longer going to stop at red lights, would that affect the way that you drove on the roads? Would you trust the system anymore? No. So everybody has got to follow the rules all the time. And when we don't follow rules, we have to enforce it, right? We do have policemen on the road, and we do have ways of, of going after people who aren't going to follow the rules because the minute people start deciding when they're going to do it or when they're not or when I'm going to be trustworthy or when I'm not, the whole system breaks down, okay? I'm not going to come and give my heart to, into a system that feels arbitrary, that feels unfair, that works this way for one person and that way for another. Okay, so the point is... We want engagement, we got to have trust and fairness, and we can't get trust and fairness unless, <laughs> if you're trying to work in the church, if we give you this accountability, we also give you the appropriate authority to do what we've asked you to do. And so therefore, we've said what we want the council to be accountable for. What authority do they need? Well, this is what we decided. We have to get in everybody's business. And this is the part that's going to feel different, Right? Because we started out, we were cowboys, and we were on our horses, and we rode our horses on the green grass, and we went where we wanted to go, and we'd ride by Doug and say, hey, Doug, can we do such and such? And Doug would say, hey, have fun. 
right? And we would go off and we would do our thing and we would be successful. Occasionally, again, we'd have a head-on collusion and two people would get hurt. Um, but for the most part, it worked. So the council said, okay, if we're going to do this, and this is big, what do we need to be able to do? And these are a lot of fancy words. But what we're saying is then we have to design, integrate, monitor, and continuously improve all the means by which we gather resources and we access resources and we use resources. So that's the get in everybody's business, right? The way that we make announcements, we have to have a system and we have to think through that. Um, and then when we create systems and policies, we have to keep monitoring them and making sure are they doing what we really thought we were going to do? Are we getting what we want? So these are kind of the, the what's. And I'm focusing on what's today, and you're going to approve what's in that proposed charter that we're going to vote on January 30th. The next point, and it's hard to read, I'm sorry. If I'd have known that, I'd have picked a different color. This is a how. And what we decided as a council is we really need to, to chart. First, we need to charter ourselves, and then we need to charter the workers, right? The people who are working. We need to, to go to them and say, what are you going to be doing? <laughs> what do you want to do? How does that work? And then how does it affect anything else? And where are the boundaries? And where are your resources? And then we say, go, right? Have fun. Stay in the lanes, right? So we're no longer cowboys on horses. We're going to stay in the lanes, but we're going to draw the lanes at least. And we're going to show you where the intersections are. So for example, if the children's ministry decides one day that they want to have the kids uh, rolling down the hill in the grass for some type of activity, they have to ask themselves, well, who, who owns the grass? Well, the handymen kind of own the grounds, right? So then they just need to step back and say, hey, handymen, we're going to be crossing your intersection, anything we should know about. And the handyman said, oh, well, we just put weed killer down, and the kids really shouldn't be rolling in the grass this weekend. Okay, oh. You know, that's the kind of thing that before we wouldn't have done and the kids would have all had their skin blistering off and it would have been a little bit of a problem. So on one hand, the children's ministry is like, oh, come on, we just want the kids to roll on the ground. You mean we got to go check with the handyman? That's ridiculous. Well, yes, and then again, it's not. And because Doug is working with the ministries and, and you know, we're still working on where his line ends and our line begins. We have to know what he's doing, and we have to be integrating with him. And, and LaDonna, as our chair, is the person who's meeting, giving extra time every week to meet with Doug and make sure that we don't hit head-on with Doug at the intersections as well. All right. Now, just so you know that this isn't arbitrary and this isn't willy-nilly. Again, we're, what I'm trying to do is build trust in the system. I'm trying to say to you, you may not see everything that's going on, and you may not care to know everything that's going on, but I want you to know there's been thought, and we're trying to build a system that is trustworthy. And so we do have a set of, of decision-making criteria, right? We're not just sitting in the back room smoking cigars and saying, hey, so-and-so asked for this. Do you like her? <laughs> Should we give her a resource? No, you know what? She gave me a dirty look the other day. No way, right? We do have a way that we're going to make our decisions. So in the event that you ever ask us for something and we come back with a decision you don't like, I'm at least going to show you the criteria that we use to make the decision. And the first decision is 
the broad overarching, does this align with our values? So we look up and we say, Doug has said spirituality, community, influence, these are our values, does it align? And that's a pretty easy test. Most things that people want to do, do. The second one, it does this forward our mission. So at any particular given time, we might have some particular mission we're working on. So for example, we're trying to grow to 300 right now. So that's our current mission. So we would ask ourselves, is this going to help us in our mission to grow, right? Later when we become more sophisticated, maybe we're going to grow our 20 to 30 population, or maybe we might decide we're going to have a satellite Spanish-speaking church. There may be whatever the current strategic mission and goals are, that fits there. So we'll ask about that. Then we're going to look down, right? So we look up to our mission and vision, then we look down to operations because we're kind of the bridge. We're going to have one foot in mission and vision and one foot in operations. And we're going to say, does it make operational sense? And here's the sticky part, right? Again, this is where we have to say, if we only have this tiny little bucket of resources, as good as an idea as it may be, and as much as we may love this particular person who has the idea, <laughs> does it make sense? Can we put, can we spend member mind space on that? Should we spend staff time on that? And that's going to be the hard part. Sometimes we're going to have to say no. And then, within we have, you know, again, sitting back there, you don't see it, but we have, I don't know, some 20 things on our agenda right now. And we're meeting every week. We're given our time every single week to move through these things so that we don't hold things up. And although from back here it may feel like we are moving very, very slowly, we are working hard. So I'll give another example just to make this concrete. We have the middle school has made a request to paint the room that they meet in because they want to make the space theirs. And it's a wonderful thing. And situational response would be, Absolutely, why not? It's 40 bucks, right? It's some paint, it's some rollers, it's community building. The kids will feel like they have their own space. It's a beautiful thing. Why wouldn't we approve that? That's the, that's the current system, the cowboy system answer. And then we come over here and we say, okay, but wait a minute. <laughs> we know that currently the middle schoolers are filling out that room. They're almost busting at the seams. And if we're going to grow as a church, then chances are the middle school's going to grow. And are they really even going to stay in that space very long? And if they're not going to stay in that space very long, should we invest that time and energy and money there? Or should we say hold? Or should we start thinking about, do we go ahead and preemptively move the middle school into a different space? The problem is all the space is used. So if we're going to move them into some other space, now we're taking someone else's space. So now we have to renegotiate space. So then we got to go check with the people we're going to take space from and rearrange. And so all of a sudden, when you try to make a decision, not just based on what we're doing today, but where we hope to go in the future, there's more integration, there's more linking, and it takes longer. So here I am, the middle school person making this very simple request, who has the council going, oh, we'll be back, we'll be back, we'll be back, we'll be back. And it feels in that given situation like, what in the world could you clowns be possibly doing? Well, I'm trying to share with you what we're trying to do. It feels different, sometimes it feels inefficient when we're actually trying to be ultimately much more efficient. Okay, so the last slide. Here we are, we are sitting in the blue car on Influence Lane, and we are trying to go to NRCC, which sits here on Ray Road. How are we gonna get there? We're gonna make a left on Doug Street, then we're going to make a right on the railroad, and we're going to head into the parking lot, yes? 
Why? Because there are streets there. Right. That's right. Wait a minute. If I just pop the curb right here, the NRC is much closer to Influence Lane. Why wouldn't I just pop up onto that curb and drive straight in the back, right? Less time, straighter route, less gas, right? No problem. Why wouldn't I do that? What do you mean I have to go all the way over here? All the way over? Are you kidding me? That's going to take me more time. That's going to cost me more gas. Are you kidding me? Who are you to tell me i got to stay on the road? Well, <laughs> if we were still in our cowboy days, we could hop our horse up on that curve and ride right across the grass. But now we're moving toward our, I don't even know what I'm going to call it, integration phase where we're going to say, stay on the streets, <laughs> mind the signs. There are going to be some places where you've got to stop and wait. There may be places where you have to yield. There may be places where you just can't go. But, and what's it going to take? Practice. Why? Because we're all used to going to Doug. And Doug's used to being the one who says, sure, go do it. And he forgets quite often, and we forget quite often. And so we're going to be doing a few iterations of that. You're going to go to him. He's going to say yes, and the council's going to come back and go no. And you're going to get mad at us. And Doug's going to go, whoops, I forgot. And it's not going to go well. So therefore, we need grace. <laughs> We need a willingness to subordinate individual situations to maintain the integrity of the whole system. So that's where I was going with that previous slide. There are times and places where it would be a whole lot easier just to pop the curb and go across the grass, and we're going to ask you to stay in the street. And you're, and you're going to have to do it because we don't want the whole system to collapse, just like we do every day when we're driving and we don't think anything of it. We don't even see the grass as an alternative. We don't even see it anymore. Here, everything's going to look like grass. And we're, all we're going to see is grass, and the council's going to keep pointing to the roads. And you're going to go, oh, I forgot there were roads. Doug is going to forget there are roads time and time and time again. And we're just going to keep reminding him. It's going to take courage. It's not fun to be the person who has to say no when somebody has an idea that's near and dear to their heart and really has the best of intentions, and it probably is a beautiful thing, and we still may say no. And it's going to take discipline, just like when you're a parent, right? A lot of times you just want to look the other way and let it go. Just let it happen, and I'll pretend like I don't see. Okay, but the problem is when you do that, then that person did it. Well, they got to do it, and then this person, and I'm going to do it too, and, right, and then you start to get the tire marks in the grass. What happens when that happens? You ever been on the road, and you're stuck in along, and somebody goes off onto the, onto the shoulder and starts driving on the shoulder, and everybody goes, well, look, they're doing it. And all of a sudden, here they go. All right, we can't, we can't do that. We can't let you on the shoulder, because then everybody else will go on the shoulder. Whoops. I have a council meeting i got to go to. See ya. <laughs> that was beautiful. That wasn't even planned. Okay, so the last... Uh, But the last point is, it's a lot of work, but what was the alternative? The alternative is where we were in July. And in July, we were looking at shutting the doors. So I'm here to ask you to taste the new flavor of the soup <laughs> and be willing to pass the council charter as proposed. Now, it's open for viewing. You got an email copy of it. It is online. We're going to vote January 30th. You can, you can absolutely comment if you care to um, by just emailing back 
to Bob Love, who sent the original charter. Um, yes, Bob will ha be happy to help you with technical issues. All right, and one last point. So, so this is kind of a chicken-egg thing. The, car, the, the triage team created itself. <laughs> they created a charter that they think is going to be useful. They're creating this chartering system, the how thing, behind the scenes. Um, we recognize that we appointed ourselves, and it's a little bit slimy. And so, but what we're asking you to do is first approve the charter this January. And then what we'd like to do is have an opportunity as an intact team to, to work through our chartering system, work through some of the bumps, give it a try, bake the cake, see if it tastes good. And then in November, what we'd like to do is have a council election. So at that point, you would get to choose who you want to be on your council, but at least the people who would nominate themselves to be on the council would understand what they're nominating themselves for. And the current council would have an opportunity to tweak and do some things and figure out whether it even makes sense. But originally, we had hoped to have council elections earlier. And now we're, we made a decision that we'd like to wait until November and then do them every November after. And the plan is, and this is all written in detail in that charter that you have, that three, there are seven seats total. Three or four will turn over every year or be up for re-election every year. Whether they'll turn over or not is a different question because people could rerun. But we're trying to make sure we have new blood, and if people want to be on it, they can be. And then, um, but we're not losing consistency. We, don't, we always have some people who are experienced with the system on the, on the team. And I think that's it. Thank you for staying long. Mm.